You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking all about tri-type with the person who coined tri-type, Catherine Favre. We are so excited to have her with us today because she cares about relationships, and so do we, and we all love Enneagram. Catherine has put literally thousands upon thousands of hours of research into investigating and interviewing individuals and couples about their relationships in terms of tri-type. And if you don't know what tri-type is, that's what we're going to be talking all about today. But to give you a super brief intro before Catherine and I get talking about it, Tri-type espouses that we work from not just our core, say if you're a body type, your body type, or if you're head type, your head type, and if you're a heart type, your heart type, but that we encompass all three centers, each of us. However, we still have our main core type. So Catherine's going to tell you about how this was discovered. We're going to talk a lot about relationships. And I'm very excited to tell you that as much as tri-type is very important, there's still something even more important that Catherine and I agree on as to what we really want to be especially looking at with relationship. And if you listen to this podcast a lot, you know this is a theory I've talked a lot about as well. And it was so fun for me to hear Catherine actually say, yes, she agrees with this too. And she has researched many more years than I have. So for me to hear that from her was a true gift in the couple's work that we do here at Enneagram and Marriage, because I know you share my same passion for helping marriages and relationships and families to be so much stronger by using the Enneagram and by receiving balance in life and just using more than one way of looking at the world. So this is a true gift to be able to have Catherine today. Before we get to that, a quick reminder of the All Things Enneagram Conference with InterVarsity Fellowship coming up. That is coming up in October. That's next month if you're listening live in September. And I'm super excited to be there sharing about families, couples, and the basics of each type, but also getting into conflict styles and worldview. And so I'm really looking forward to that. And along with the notes all about Catherine's website today, you'll see the conference notes as well if you want to sign up or tell a friend who's new to the Enneagram to sign up or even somebody who's been around for a while and just wants to see people. I know this is the world of even if we can't be together all the time, we still like to see people sometimes. And I'm an auditory learner, but I've really been blessed to try to balance out even being more visual and that. So I'm working on that. I'm working on balancing instincts out there with you all. And I also want to say, as we lean into tri-type conversation, it was funny because this weekend I was asking for fun on the Instagram account, what do you think Black Widow's type is in the new movie, Black Widow? And a lot of you were saying sixes, and I had thought eight. But what was fun was that somebody reminded me, hello, tri type, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, she's a six with her thinking type, and she's an eight with her body type. And of course, she has a huge heart. So we could surmise about that as well. But as we think about your tri type, what I really want you to be paying attention to as you're processing this and taking Catherine's test, I want you to be processing. What else is going on with the ways me and my partner or spouse are moving through the world besides just our standard dynamic and our own arrow work and wing work? Because you will be surprised to see if you haven't done this exploring yet that there's other factors that work. Just because we're not all nine types and we do need to focus our work on our one main type doesn't mean that we're not influenced by the other 
types. And it also doesn't mean that we don't want to grow in those other types. So if you are not a three, it doesn't mean you can't have access to the wonderful gifts of three, even if you're like, oh, I don't have a wing there and I don't have an arrow there. That means I have no rights to three. We would never want to box you into your Enneagram work in that way or your relationship work in that way. Um, Similarly, some of us like twos and sevens, there are some of us who don't have access to a heart type or a head type, and we wouldn't want to say to them, oh, bummer, your wings and your arrows don't lead you there. And we could take our arrow work and say, hey, I'm a seven, I can go to my five space, and that will help me to lean into being able to think more about my feelings and maybe get me there. Or if you look at tri-type, you can say, but which one out of the two, three, and four, the feelings types, do I relate to the most? And that may open up some important conversations for you in your relationship. For instance, in our relationship with me being a 749, Wes actually sees more of my four than my seven a lot of the times. And there's different pieces that show up in different seasons. And that's probably a result of not only the fact that we met when we were in high school, when my seven was a lot more inflamed and fun and carefree. That was the relationship at that time. And I didn't feel safe to give the depths of my heart. I really didn't. So when I had been processing as a child, there was a heart, but it was safety first. And it was ways of processing in my life that the most sense to me to just live in that center and to not really hold out hope for feelings. If you look at Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you're going to find that after basic safety is established, we start to open up to other needs and heart needs become even more important. If you also look at attachment studies, you know that we have to have a relationship to our hearts from the very beginning or we don't survive and thrive in the world. We need social connection. So you realize as we learn more about the Enneagram and we learn more about the instinctual centers, we realize we need a balance. So that's what I want to encourage you with is find your balance and think about or feel what are the main players in your life. And like I said, Wes says, Krista, you work from the four in your tri-type a lot. What I always remind you guys to do is partially because I need to do it, where I need to say I have to spend time angsting, looking to the past. I have to allow myself that time and feelings in that four space, if you will, even catching myself, not just reflecting, but in the unhealthy four space. Because as Catherine will say, when you read her website, about tri-type, you'll know we don't just espouse the positives of our tri-type traits in our other centers. We also espouse the negative traits. So when I'm in that four space, I'm sometimes excited and happy and looking back reflectively and even dreaming or getting lost in too many thoughts about the past and feelings because it feels good. Or I might be reflecting in sadness and really staying there for so long. It's good for me as a seven to do that, but I can stay too long in that four space, as my family will tell you. So it's also important for you to do that. And then another exercise sometimes I've had couples do is just work from instead of their main center when they feel like they've really hit a wall there. And you do feel like that sometimes. Find out what your three types are. And if one of them doesn't get much attention or looked at, you and your spouse or partner can decide, we're going to start looking at these dynamics together. Or you as an individual can say, I'm going to start looking at these dynamics more. I can have a bit more momentum in my life and in my relationship. And sometimes the momentum looks like going in, withdrawing, resting, and that's the kind of momentum you need. But as I said, with me not really leading with the seven as much anymore and having the four and nine, 
in my tri-type, they can almost drag me down. And that's the same with my five arrows. It's not as if you could actually lose these other parts of yourself or lose your main personality type by exploring tri-type. You're only going to gain momentum from knowing what are the major players in your life that you're not even aware of. So it's super helpful. And if it isn't, then scrap it. But I think it's going to be a game changer for you. And I think you're going to find that your main type ends up being actually so much more poignant and well honed when you're able to say, oh gosh, I see what's been distracting me. I see how this player can accentuate the work I'm already doing. And I think you're going to find that you get the best of yourself when you're not struggling with so many of the other things that are just these unknown variables right now. Remember in chemistry when you had to come up with the unknowns? It's the same thing here. What are the unknown players? Let's find them. Let's figure them out so that we can use them for good and so that your main type can have these additional assists. So be thoughtful and creative as you're going through your tri-type as Catherine's talking to us today about where it originated in terms of how it was discovered because all truth is God's truth and it was always there, but we're discovering things all the time, as you know, and giving them labels. And then think about your relationship and I'm super hopeful that you'll enjoy looking at her tri-type archetypes as well. And at the end of today's podcast, when she and I are done talking, there were some questions that came in through Instagram too that I gave you some tips on if you asked me a particular question. Maybe you noticed your tri-type was very reactive. So I did try to help you to get some traction, but really this is work you have to do on your own. So let today's talk settle in. This is a beautiful gift to you and your family. So I'm super excited to hear your thoughts on today's episode. I'm going to let Catherine take it away and educate us. Wow, she's a genius. This is so exciting. Okay. Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. Ah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. We're so excited. As I told you, I've done a very basic episode on tri-type. And when I worked with my Enneagram and Marriage students, we got more involved in your deeper aspects of tri-type. And some of my listeners have been asking to go a little bit deeper, which thrills me. So today, listeners, you guys are going to be hearing from Catherine herself. She developed the tri-type theory. And so Catherine, can you tell us a little bit about this theory of tri-type? <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's, it's, start out as a theory, but actually it was always there. Mathematically, you can just look at the, the 369 and everything grows out of the 369. And I'm actually creating different ways to show that to people. But most people only really knew about the 369, the 258 and the 147. Mm. And that's how it progresses from the center out. It's just with tri-type, it continues, and then you end up with these extended tri-types. So when people found the Hornavians, they already existed. They were there. Mm -hmm. And when they identified the antipodes plus the type, uh, the center of each type that matches the antipode, they're part of the hexad types with one primary type, like the um, 468, it's eight and four are on the lines of connection Mm -hmm. of intensity. And Mm -hmm. then the type that's between four and eight is six. So the center of the head center is the most intense type. So that's what others then call harmonics. 
but I learned it from Naranjo in a different way. But again, if it was there, other people are going to find it. Just like I found mm-hmm. tri-type, not knowing about tri-fix. And I thought they were the same. They are different because they grew independent of one another. But mm-hmm. so what's tri-type? In yeah. a word, it's looking at the fact that as human beings, we use all three centers of intelligence, our head, our heart, and our gut. Mm-hmm. And if we look at the Enneagram symbol itself, there are four types that do not have access to all three centers. And the mm-hmm. reason for that is the symbol that we are all familiar with is the Enneagram of motion. And actually, it is about the open symbol that encompasses the law of one, three, and seven. Mm-hmm. And both Gurdjieff and Achazo use that particular symbol because of that reason, the dynamic element. Whereas we can find Ramon Lully, mm-hmm. who had the equivalent of the virtues, the vices and the virtues, on a nine-pointed, inner, completely interactive um, Enneagram, which I also started mm-hmm. using until someone said, oh, that looks just like Ramon Lola. And I go, wait, wait, who's Ramon Lola? Uh-huh. And it's there now. But my point being is that always, these things have always existed and they're consistent. So if if it's true in one way, then it has to be true across the board. Recognize that we each have a heart type, a gut type, and a head type. And we make our decisions with our head and it's the ways we tend to be fixated mm-hmm. and we get emotional and handle our emotions like our heart type and how we make decisions of the heart. Mm-hmm. And then our more visceral nature is our gut type and that's has to do with our convictions. So mm-hmm. it's just a mathematical principle that you have one type that's dominant in each center of intelligence, we all use all nine types. Mm-hmm. Our, our stacking order and level of dominance varies from person to person. And therein lies an issue where the three types come together mm-hmm. and whatever they have in common is amplified. And the ways in which the three types are different mm-hmm. or two types are very similar and one is very different, the difference is minimized. It's wonderful because a lot of people appreciate tri-type, mm-hmm. but they don't understand that it isn't just what you identify with. It's really mm-hmm. what you're motivated by because mm-hmm. each combination creates a tri-type archetype, and yes. it doesn't matter the order. So, for example, I'm an 874, mm-hmm. and I use the same head type, heart type, and gut type as a 784 or mm-hmm. 47. Eight, we all use three types to make mm-hmm. our decisions. So we're going to have more in common than actually with someone who shares our type that doesn't have the same tri-type. Mm-hmm. Yes, so love that. Our tri-type. If they share the same tri-type, they have more in common, better natural understanding with one another than sharing the same type. Now, if you share the same type and a second type, you mm-hmm. have even more in common. And then where you'll have differences, mm-hmm. speaking about relationship, is the one you vary. Yeah. 
Yeah, like we do, Wes and I vary. So we have a lot to give to each other, but we also have a lot of disharmony where we have to really work hard. So do you see that with a lot of couples that they pick their opposites or do you more see that they pick similar? You guys have studied this so much. Yeah, I find that both are correct because it might, we match in some way with our partners and our best friends because we get each other to some degree. Mm-hmm. And But Myers-Briggs and other systems come into play and instinct is the most dominant feature. Yeah. And that's why I've done so much with uh, so many research studies now on the ins- instincts themselves. But having said that, where we will fill in, like close relationships are the same, not just uh, partnerships. Well, it could be business partnerships too. So, for example, my son is an eight, four, six. Mm-hmm. So we're both eights. Yeah, we're both sexual. Mm-hmm. And we both have four. four. So mm-hmm. where we tend to conflict is with the six and seven. Mm-hmm. And I just I'm more wanting to move on. Yeah, and he's more. No, we gotta really parse this down because he ends up being the four six eight tri type, which is the most emotionally expressive mm-hmm. and definite. It does soften the eight, by the way, but. Mm. I'm an eight seven four. It's like, yeah, give me something yeah. creative. Let's let's move this thing forward. Mm-hmm. And it's yep, yeah, we get along really well. But this is the area where we can both complement each mm-hmm. other and where we can be difficult for each other. Mm. Yeah, and that's how relationships are, whether it's spouses or couples. And I love how you're uh, enunciating something that we've been talking a lot about on the podcast, that instincts are the biggest. But when you're talking about Enneagram, I also love how you said it's always been there and we're discovering it. My husband noticed that when he looked at the symbol because he is medical, but he used to teach math and he looked hard at it just briefly one day and he's a one and he said, what's going on with the three, six, and nine? They seem like the main types. And it was very obvious for a math brain to see that. But you're letting people know these patterns are in all of us. And I know those are the three main types. But but what people often don't know about tri-type is that when they get told this is your number, or maybe they've discovered it through a test and now they're seeing if it fits, they're thinking they're stuck in the one center. And what you brought, which we're all so grateful for to this work, like you said, you brought it out, it was already there, but is that we are not just stuck. We Even those types that you mentioned that seem to not have any access to heart or to thinking, they do, right? Yeah. Oh, how comforting. Because even... Gurdjieff recognized that man was a three-story building, and he was really addressing the three instincts. And what's fascinating is that Naranjo had time with Ichazo where he learned the Enneagram, but it was in its infancy. It was in its early stages. It was an aspect of a spiritual process to see what was in our way, so to speak. And after like eight months, he came back to Berkeley and he wanted to look at this with others, like-minded spiritual seekers, therapists, 
uh, psychiatrists, mm-hmm. psychoanalysts, and what they would see. But they all signed a confidentiality agreement, so we didn't learn about a lot of it until Naranjo uh, broke up with his girlfriend, and she had not signed the confidentiality agreement, and that's why we're talking today. Oh. And she started teaching it after they broke up. And yet, she didn't study directly with Ichazo, and mm-hmm. Naranjo came up with a great deal more after that initial um, experimentation and discovery process after being in Arica, Chile with uh, Achanzo in 1970. So he started in 1971, but over time he noticed, wait a minute, there's a quality with people that are the same Enneagram type that are so different from one another. And at that time... In 1971, there were no fixations Mm. or holy idea, but there were the passions and the holy virtue. People don't realize that that didn't. I didn't know that. Until 1970, after 1972. Mm. They don't quite remember when. And Mm -hmm. it was someone that was there at the time, two people that one was actually in Eureka and the other not, but he's a friend of mine. And he thinks, he knows that he learned the Enneagram in 1972, and fixations were not taught. He doesn't remember when they were at it. So like anything, it was growing. And in the case of Naranjo, he wanted to explain those differences because he saw these three centers, Chazo called them instinctual triads, Mm -hmm. as very meaningful, but there was a more primitive version. And with his background as a psychiatrist, he knew a lot of systems that recognized qualities of the primal self. And so he took Achazo's three triads and imagined them in their most primitive form and made them subtypes of Achazo centers. Mm-hmm. So you have the centers broken into three Enneagram types, and then mm-hmm. you have the three Enneagram types broken down further with a more primitive version of the center. It's really quite ele- elegant mm-hmm. in uh, the way he did it. Mm-hmm. But Achazo did not do subtypes because he instead noticed that people used all three centers mm-hmm. but added trifix, whereas originally trifix meant the three centers, mm-hmm. fixated way of thinking that mm-hmm. each center had. But over time, he came to recognize that individuals each had their own Okay. So that's because I saw that on your website and I didn't know how that had evolved. That's helpful. Yeah, I guess I should say that on the website. It's really important because when I heard about Trifix, I knew then that, oh, I just found what Ichazo found and there was no one that had anything published on it. Yeah. Jack and Andrea um, with the Enneagram Monthly had actually interviewed. Achazo in 1996, and an article came out, and there was a little bit on trifix, just a couple of paragraphs. And everything that I've ever gotten from Arikans, people that are part of Achazo's school, mm-hmm. there really is no breakdown of the 27 or what it means. But mm-hmm. when they came to my tritype class, Incognito, They really liked that I gave attribution, but what had happened is that I was talking about trifixes. I decided I don't want to confuse people. I'd originally called it three types. 
Yeah. Okay. And then I thought, well, why they're going to wonder if maybe they'll learn about trifix. Let's just keep it together and not have the mistake like we did with integration disintegration. But mm -hmm. it, what didn't occur to me is that it would still be a little different. Mm -hmm. And the, the differences are just as important as what's the same. But what's the same is that we use all three centers in a hierarchy, yeah. in a stacking order, just like the way I discovered the instincts were in a stacking mm -hmm. order. What people don't realize is I found them at the same time. I was doing the same interview, and I didn't say, wait, that's not a part of this research, and ignore it. I just go, oh, that's interesting. And so I just made note of all the patterns. But people at least knew about subtypes, or some of the people in the yeah. Enneagram community at that time knew, and mm -hmm. other people did not. Prior mm -hmm. to 1994, there were those who used the subtypes and those who didn't. And then there are four different disseminations as a result, because did you get, did you learn from Machazo? Did you learn from Naranjo? Did you learn from someone who learned from Machazo and Naranjo? Or yeah. on down, but there are four main differences. And really all I did was put it all back together again. I found them separate. Mm -hmm. I found all the details with um, the instincts with Naranjo, and he validated my work. Very in a very cute way, he said, "Well, I'm, I'm validating that you validated my work." So he just loved that that his hypothesis had proven to be true with people that didn't know him, didn't know how uh, the enneagram, because I had a blind study too. So yeah, that was great, but he didn't know about Chaucer's trifix. So I, I was talking with Naranjo. I go, I've also known this with the centers. And he was saying that that was interesting because he couldn't tell with me whether I was an eight, a seven, or a four. And I said, well, that's exactly it. That's an example of the three centers mm -hmm. that people will see with me. And so he wanted me to evaluate some things for him to learn more and then I want him to look at things so uh, I could learn more in a different way. And so it was very copacetic. So tri-type evolved when the Arikans, Chazo's Institute, the, uh, the attorney that was on his uh, board of directors came and she said, you know, Catherine, this is so much more. I mean, Chazo's never said any of this. And the thing was, because I had posted online about things, I had, um, it was, uh, Trifix was associated with me. And they wanted to trademark it. So they were hoping I might consider letting him have the trademark. I go, really? Of course. <laughs> it was his word. I was just trying to not um, take anything away yeah. from him because of what he did. Mm -hmm. and I said, oh, yeah, I'll just go back to three types. And they said, no, 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 you need to be tri-type. Mm -hmm. And he needs to be tri-fixed because he only teaches the fixation. And you teach the full type. And yeah. what's really important is that you both recognize that you use all three centers. And that's what people don't understand right now. Mm -hmm. And not everybody has access to it. So I go, oh, that's perfect. And I changed it immediately because it was true. I had learned that it was people's 
wing types, lines of connection, all of it. Yes. And structure. And the ones listening who want to know, how do I differentiate, for instance, if I am the 874, do I have a seven wing or do I have a seven in my tri-type? What do you usually recommend to them? Well, on my test, of course, because I tried to work in all those variables and a lot of special uh, notices to help people discern that. But the key thing, because I have that, I have both. Mm-hmm. I have, I'm an eight with a seven wing and I have seven in a tri-type. And that's one reason that it was hard for Chazo not to consider type seven for me, except I was just a little too definite. You know, I yeah. like to play and very, very playful, but when it's something I have an opinion about, it's just like, there's nothing light about it then. It's just like a fact yes. and much more weighty and visceral, yes. like a gut type. Mm-hmm. And when I have an emotion, it has depth, yeah. it's intense. Mm-hmm. We could say eights are intense, and they are, but if you have eight and four. So the way I usually have people work that out, because it could also be a line of connection where you could have two. Mm-hmm. So you're just, it's really amplified. Okay. So if someone knows they're like an eight with a seven wing, or a six with a seven wing, mm-hmm. or they have a line of connection as a one to seven, or a five to seven, mm-hmm. and they relate to seven, of course, five would be knock that out. But mm-hmm. with the one, you could have seven in the tri-type and a line to seven. So whenever you have that doubling up, yeah, you have to begin to discern if it's an auxiliary issue. Because when it's the wing... Mm-hmm. Or the line, it's something that's always in motion like pistons. When mm-hmm. it's a full type, you're mm-hmm. going to see the passion, the fixation, the conviction, the wings. You're going to see all of it energetically. And mm-hmm. you just look at the whole type of each of the three types. And just like putting the, um, the focus of attention, the defense strategy. You don't look mm-hmm. at behaviors. Wow, that's so helpful. Because behaviors I lead us astray. Mm-hmm. They're a good starting place, but they unfortunately then misdirect us and we mm-hmm. start counting behaviors. Whereas if you start looking at what your defense strategy actually does, mm-hmm. is it the in the case of the seven, this fear of being trapped, limited, and fundamentally missing out and inferior as a human being in terms of others, because the seven is the top of the um, head center, so the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. That's seven, primary. But if it's a wing, it's going to modify the eightness. So the mm. eight, like, yeah, because it's, the Enneagram's on a continuum. So each type moves into each other type. And there's a transitional aspect that's really critical. Yeah. Once you understand it, it makes sense. Like, for example. I've heard it for the tree analogy. Yes. And then another analogy is that you look at, like, type one, for example, that has to have the perfect morals and do their best because they should. 
because they don't want to be wrong, fundamentally wrong, and not doing as they should. They don't want to be wrong, bad, or evil. Mm -hmm. Whereas the three is a lookalike because they need to be the perfect person, have the perfect house. They need to have everything perfect. And the two is the transition. They teach people how to be their best self. They naturally want to guide and teach people. So everything yeah. is important. But mm -hmm. when you look at it being a full type, is that you see the wing happening twice. So for example, I happen to be an eight with a seven wing and a seven with an eight wing. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of seven and eight going on. Yes. And that four is so critical because it really grounds you into the depths versus aggressive achiever or the reactive state or positivity. It allows you to have the melancholy that you need to really sit with things, I would imagine, and to look back. And to give meaning. See, the mm -hmm. seven hates the suffering and mm -hmm. the four needs to find meaning to their suffering. So they focus on suffering. Wow. And uh, someone who asks for attention is thought of as self-centered, but mm -hmm. someone that displays suffering is naturally comforted. And so a lot of what's happening with four on an unconscious level is I need attention, but I'm not like the three. I can't give this performance right. that's going to get me the applause. I need to displace um, a mood that human nature responds to, but they're totally unaware of it until they learn about the Enneagram and understand that it's the same core wound as the three and the two. It's just mm -hmm. how they're going to go about handling it. So tri-type addresses a more sophisticated and complex way to break down the parts and then recognize what you can heal within yourself so that you're more responsive and less reactive. You can respond to a feeling without overreacting. Wow, that's super helpful, I think, in our relationships too, because if we're limited to the one type, then we say to ourselves and our spouses, especially if we have a four in us, like we both do, I'm despairing now. So when we have that, uh, whatever our, our tendency is, especially if we have a four, we might despair otherwise of, oh my gosh, my spouse is never going to meet me here. And they have only this one type and they're stuck, stuck in this box. And even I've seen it go as far as when somebody says, but just because I'm a five, I'm not locked down. I've had that twice this week with five clients in marriage settings. And it's so important that we realize tri-type helps them to feel human again versus I'm so boxed in. I know I have feelings or thoughts or gut reactions, but nobody's giving me permission to. And I feel like for me, that has been very healing for relationships. Have you seen that too? Yes, absolutely. In fact, the people that know their Enneagram type in many ways have suffered in a different way with mm. lockdowns because they can at least recognize that their partner might be a type that's self-pres and more upset by it than they would be as mm. a sexual. You're just not as triggered by the fears around the virus. And that mm. was a big source of conflict in a lot of relationships or the children not understanding or what you had to do to stay mm. um, protected from the virus. 
yeah. big source of conflict. But if people understood their own stacking order of the instincts and the types, then mm-hmm. they have a way to do the repair attempt very quickly because you have compassion for the other person's concern. Yeah. Oh, that's well said that it also involves the instincts when we're trying to do the work of right now and always. It's the most important part. Oh my gosh. And I love the type and the Enneagram to be more important, but in that first study on the instincts, it was really clear that it drives Mm -hmm. the whole system and that the core fear of the instinct with the core fear of each type in the tri-type creates the system itself that some wow our listeners and i are beaming because we came to that conclusion on this show we were like the instincts are first sorry everything else is important but this is priority so so wonderful for you to say that to us now i also want to say when it comes to type and relationships do you feel that couples have certain routes with, I know you talked about this on a video of yours I watched, but it's fascinating to think the stacking order of not just the instincts, because we've talked a lot about that on this show, but the stacking order of the tri-type, as much as you said, whatever three we are, if we're a 136 or a 316, we're going to have a lot in common. When you have the order that differs a little bit, thought, then feeling, then body, or body thinking, and then heart, how do spouses really, how can they practically use that to talk to each other and say, I heard you say it, for instance, you know, you said, I do this, this, and then this. Do you feel like that's important for spouses to know about each other? Yeah. And I'm going to complicate it further. Yeah. Those that have uh, introduced, whether you're a think, feel, act, act, think, feel, it it doesn't always match the tri-type stacking. Mm -hmm. So... I thought it should, and it would have been elegant again, like having <laughs> yeah. the stacking order of the instincts and the stacking order of the types and the tri-type, and we'd get the perfect little elegant system. Yeah. And it is there on an advanced level, but I learned think, feel, act, act, think, feel mm-hmm. long ago. Now, in my case, I do act, think, and feel, but I have worked with people that it's a little different. So it depends on whether we're thinking about cognitive functions or we're thinking about like our behavior, like what our instinctual behavior is. Mm -hmm. So it's generally they match like in mine, they do, but Mm -hmm. other people, they don't not necessarily. So I would say at least 20% and that's just a guesstimate Mm -hmm. An educated guess do Mm -hmm. not match that. And so what is that? Is it, the the instinct throwing that off or I think it is because our instincts are visceral Mm. now for what it's worth Naranjo felt that the uh his subtypes that he discovered he put them right in the gut center but here's Mm -hmm. this one thing convictions are part of the process and there's no counterpart to convictions Mm. and so I I added in the equivalent for the gut types for the passion, the fixation, and then the conviction. So head, heart, and gut. But mm-hmm. then over time, I, I thought, no, no, no. The gut is a type unto itself. So yeah. the instincts, those three patterns that Naranjo found are actually below the whole system. 
-hmm. And then it creates a wonderful pattern of 12. And 1 and 2 equals 3, and we're right back into the law of 3. So it doesn't, I'm saying that Naranjo was correct. I'm saying that my research findings were correct. Mm -hmm. And the way Echazo handled that was to move the sexual spiritual pole out and have it be a continuum of three. So he stayed with his three. And all of us are still with the pattern of divisible by three. And oh, that's the three. Yes. Systems that are. Um, yes. And I think to ground it down for our audience, when we're thinking about with their tri-type and they're saying, wait a minute, I'm a self-prez, so maybe I'm thinking first because at least that's for me, Krista, how it is, that that does throw it off a bit, like you said, for things because that matters all the time. That instinct is so powerful that even as you're doing your order, that sometimes your order is going to differ because of that instinct. So talking it out with your spouse is helpful because it lets your spouse know. You know, like after Mm -hmm. you're in the conflict, you can... Mm -hmm quickly say, oh, right, you're going to see it like when David and I were married and we worked together. If we ran into a problem, I would say, let's just get it done, and then we can talk about how we feel about it. And he goes, no, we have to talk about how we feel about it before we can get it done. No, we don't. We just have to go into action. He goes, no, we have to talk about the emotion. He was so correct. We both were, but it was the difference between six and seven. So I had the four and eight. And he had the four and eight leading in an opposite direction. But yeah. our six and our seven were where we were seeing a different solution. He mm-hmm. was more anxious. And mm-hmm. I would say, it'll be fine. So it wasn't just our instincts. It was also. But with being a seven or a head type, generally you do think first because you hesitate. Oh, yeah. But and my husband thinks animal, I'm... My husband thinks I'm feelings first, and that's because A, I'm a female, so I have a whole month out of the, or week out of, he would say month. That was an oxymoron. (laughs) Yeah, that's what he says. But I'm like, trust me, before I ever got to you, there was a lot of thinking and self-preserving. So that's why it's coming your way, because as a seven, I don't want it to come your way. If I can handle it by myself, I will. Um, But that nonetheless, I think that what you're saying is it gives us some conversational points that you don't get in the general way with your spouse. It goes so much deeper to be able to say that not only that, but after many years, uh, your overlays together, which is what, you know, I love to study and I call that a couple's glow together. Now I'm a very, even more a one-ish seven because he's a one. So I do go to my own arrow work of one, but now I'm, you know, I had to apologize to my family tonight for being judgy because they were watching other people on TV do workouts. And I said, I don't like this. I want to watch you do workouts. I don't want to sit here and watch these guys, you know? (laughs) And they were like, that's kind of mean. And I was like, you're right. I said, I'm being really judgy. I'm so sorry. (laughs) So anyway, I think there's so many fun angles you can go with your spouse, right? Yeah, for sure. And there's really wonderful ways that you can begin to recognize this in process. And what I've found is the first structure is our energetic structure. So if you know core energetics or any version of uh, energetic healing, it's like what's happening in the energy that's nonverbal, it's Mm -hmm. before we're physical, it's an energy. 
Yeah. Then we move into the instincts. Then we move into the tri-type. And then we move into the type. So it leads us. Ultimately, we have a lead type that's the lead decision maker in the tri-type. Mm-hmm. But viscerally, it's moving out. So whether we look at it going from our gut to our heart to our head, or we describe it head, heart, gut, because it seems like, okay, the gut should be on the bottom. Yet mm-hmm. on the Enneagram symbol, the yeah. gut's at the top. We could turn the symbol around. But the reason it's not turned around is because it's the law of one, three, and seven. Mm. So it's the way Tell us about that law, just so that our listeners know. The circle of the Enneagram is the law of one. Wholeness, Mm. union. Uh, Actually, the Enneagram symbol represents the divine plus creation. Mm -hmm. And that's the movement. So the, the circle... It's like a globe and holds all of it. It's the everything. Mm-hmm. And, and the triangle is the three. For every action, there's a reaction. And then return to neutral. Mm-hmm. And neutral is never in the same place as it started. So that's the dynamic aspect. Mm-hmm. And then the, the law of seven is the repeating number of one, four, two, eight, five, seven, one, four, two, eight, five, seven. And that repetition is changed. So you put, just like lucky seven or seven's about motion. It's the chariot in um, the tarot, meaning symbolizing change and mm-hmm. movement. The wheel going around mm-hmm. is change. So when you have those together, you have a dynamic opportunity for change. And that's why... You know, if there's a forest fire, it mm-hmm. maybe gets rid of many trees and homes and what have you. But then, um, in a way, hope springs eternal. And then it's actually good for the forest. Maybe not at the level we're suffering from them. Yeah. But yeah. it's all relative. But even if they created scientific experiments trying to show the same exact mm-hmm. technical movement, it, they just can't create an instrument that mm-hmm. would keep it um, going to the same place. So initiation, the two, three, and four, that's why they're moving towards others, they're moving towards center. Five, six, and seven are the counterbalance, they're moving away and mm-hmm. against. And then the eight, nine, and one are more formally resisting and against. So the five, six, and seven are opposition kind of against Mm -hmm. and then also the gut types are reconciliation so however you want to look at there's so many patterns of three that represent what we can see with the enneagram and like how could tri-type not exist how Uh, could subtypes not exist because if the enneagram's true then these additional patterns of three need to be true Mm. yes why we use both ones we use both lines, positively and negatively, at the same time. Mm, yeah. So it was a misunderstanding when people just at first thinking we only use the one for good and then the other for bad, and it's not really the way it is. So it's nice for us to know the law. I understood the spherical law of one and three, but you just explained the seven so well to me. And so much of typing is the lexicon people use, the word choices, and 
the body movements and the facial expressions. Because you can have identical twins that are different tri-types and they're using different muscles and they're developing their muscles a different way. So that's why identical twins over time look less identical. Because whatever emotions they experience, they're going to show up in the face. It's like when we build our muscles like our arm, like I was a te powered tennis player one time, long time ago. Yeah. But those muscles still are surprisingly good when I don't even have the ability to play tennis now. Right. I didn't develop other muscles because I didn't do that sport. I did sports, and those are the muscles I created. Well, the same is true mm. in our face. Mm -hmm. So whether we show surprise a lot or contempt or disgust, that's going to be prevalent. And that's what was so brilliant about Achazo. Like, I, I can't help but imagine that he knew Paul Ekman's work because they were the same generation, pioneers in um, ways about the human condition. And protoanalysis is what Oscar Achazo called the Enneagram. And he could say, we're on the face. They held tension. Yeah. And if we look at it in terms of microexpressions, it's a perfect match. It really is. that You got me really excited about that. Some of my students are going to do a deeper dive with me, and we're going to go over the microexpressions. And that's probably a bit different from the mudras. But either way, I think the body movements and the expressions, I heard you even say you can really help to type people this way when they're not sure what type they are. Oh, absolutely. Like if they, if their brows are just changing, it's uh, the strongest indication and just the hallmark of six because the six is thinking as they think their thought, their expression corresponds to it. So mm. they're, they're thinking, oh, why did he do that? Oh, I think it's because he was wearing green. No. Yeah. Maybe. And then the brows, I can't even do it. I can only move one brow. <laughs> and I do, I do it quite well, but I don't, I don't even yeah, know. You do it like an eight, though. Brow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like have, I'll have some disgust with it or a little. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, and then body language, too. Like when we, when I learned body language many years ago, we were taught, like, if you cross your arms, you're mm -hmm. resistant. Not necessarily. It relaxes the shoulders and the back. Uh, people that are uh, sensate, body-based, it helps them pay attention to really listen. Yeah. But if they have a sour face and crossing their arms and a lot of attitude, okay, then maybe they're resistant. Yeah. But so much of body language has been misunderstood too because you have to look at the body as a and face in concert and then when something's off and doesn't match with the words okay then it's really meaningful wow but that when this happens that's that like even with nlp like i might know if someone's in their emotions or internal dialogue but i kind of have to ask them questions to kind of determine which mm. side for them is indicative of emotion and which is internal dialogue and the same with the visual when they're in construction and creative thought and when they're in memory i have to ask a question now we can't not show it 
So mm-hmm. I can just say, oh, when was the last time you did whatever? And then the person says, oh, and then they're, so well, what do you remember about it? Well, they're going to go right to where their memory is. Mm-hmm. And that isn't necessarily on the right or the left. Predominantly, it seems to be on the left for memory and on the right for construction. But some people mm-hmm. that do inductive and deductive reasoning, they're going back and forth. <laughs> and they're both memories and they're both construction. They're yeah. putting them together to get to the memory. So mm-hmm. there's wonderful, wonderful things. And I do find certain types tend to have this inductive, deductive reasoning more than others. And it's fascinating, but in relationship, yes, you guys were right. And people thought I was absolutely audacious to say the instincts were more dominant than type because that's not yes. the way they were understood then. But right. But when you get into yeah, when you get into life, you see it. And that's where our best examples are when I'm hashing it out with a couple or with my own husband and I, I'm just like this is ahead of it. It's just deeper and it's more of a gut response. So, so helpful for everybody to hear that. And I think, well, some of us who are very fast, like us three, sevens and eights, we have to slow down to see it. Often my husband is surprised that I don't see his nonverbals. <laughs> such a different place. I hear from clients, you're in your nine zone when you're working with me. But when I'm in my marriage, I'm in my self-pres because he's social and we're bouncing yeah. off each other and I'm trying to protect. And so I miss a lot of that. And that's what I love about micro expressions is I'm learning this later in the game. That's something I never learned in my master's of psychology. And now I'm able to say, slow down. You deserve to slow down. You don't have to run too fast. You can slow down. And he deserves to be really listen to because some of this with your spouse, if you're listening out there, they're not even going to know it. It's not that everyone studied as long as Catherine has. They need you to help. If you're the one who loves the Enneagram and you're doing the deep digging, then you have to do what I'm doing. And that is try to grow in your type so that you can start noticing some of this because that will help you, as Catherine said, to have compassion. Plus, do you think it's valuable, Catherine, for people to have the awareness of the archetypes, because I notice you have those on your website, and I want everyone to be visiting your website. Yeah, because it's what we project all over a person. Mm. And so if someone looks like a scholar, we just assume they're smart, and we're disappointed if if they're not. Mm. Or if someone looks like a ruler, like a king or a queen, mm-hmm. then we just we defer to them, naturally. If someone looks like a priest or priestess, then we listen to them, their inspiration. And we're projecting on there. And I do believe it's another way to look at uh, potentially what we were all born with, since we now know we were born with our our stacking order, our tri-type order, our type. Whereas originally it was thought, oh, this was a break from nature and it was nurture. But actually, it's both because our identification is still nurture. Mm -hmm. If our type was accepted and supported, then we feel good about it. Like there were no sexuals in my family, even my extended Mm. family. I was it. So I was closest to the brother that had sexual second. Mm. But that's just because that's as close as I could get in my family of origin, even my friends. There, there was one, there were two of us that were sexual. Everyone else was social or self-pressed. So if you didn't get a chance to have that need met, 
Like if you're the only self-pres in your family and they're thinking, why, what are you worried about? You know, it's, it's fine. And you're saying, no, wait, I, we need to have our stuff and we need to have this secure so we can relax. And they're saying, what's to relax about? I mean, what's wrong? You know, there's nothing to worry about. But that's not true. If you're a head type, you're projecting that. And the self-pres is feeling like, yeah, I got to have my stuff. It's like, it's gut-oriented, but your head is saying, yeah, what do I need to do to make sure I have my stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, and the, you're, mm-hmm. I'm the sexual self-pres, so I'm looking the other way. I'm a gut type mm-hmm. that has the triggering element of sexual, so a breach in the the secure bond, the tight, and I'm mm-hmm. not talking about attachment theory. And I think a lot of people mistype their instinct because they're looking at attachment theory rather than the defense strategy mm-hmm. of these three instincts as Naranjo mm-hmm. and Achazo were defining them. Wow, that's helpful for people to hear. Just don't confuse that and understand that you were born with it. And some, I mean, I even recently read that our DNA had, you know, our thoughts are in our DNA and it's just fascinating. But what's really important is we know some of the reasons we're the way we are is our ancestry and yeah. just the messages we were sent internally and externally, even from the womb or even in the DNA. Uh, so having compassion on your spouse is essential because a lot of what they're doing isn't even a choice. It's just a reaction to what they're learning. And we're trying to be curious. We're trying to get them to grow super fast. Biological imperative. Whatever they're doing is biological imperative. So we only personalize it because we believe that it's meant to hurt us at times, but it, it's just what they're meant to offer. Mm. And all of us can grow to discern the difference between a chip on our shoulder or a need for control to make sure we don't suffer in a way we suffered as children. That part we can grow and mature. Yeah. But we can develop the empathy that ideally we mm. would get between the age of nine and 11, but most of us did not. Yeah. I, I was lucky I did have someone that taught me my impact on others when I was 11. Awesome. But most people not. So that part can improve and change immediately. But the other part is like what we're meant to track. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way of saying it. There's a destiny part of it that we're balancing each other out and let them be themselves and you be yourself, but do find routes to each other. Like a route I learned between me and sexual subtypes or sexual instincts, or even me with social instincts was thinking as a self-pres they're going to take and I won't have it to give. Um, I used to be much more social and then I hit a big wall at 30 and I really went in. Um, and then what helped me to creep out was the saying, these people are giving to you and almost doing some of that five work to realize, you know, there's a flow of energy when you come back out of that turtle shell so that you're much it's more five and one together because you're oh. never doing just five work or just mm. one work. You're always doing five and one. Okay. I know the goal was to do all three, seven, five, one for me, but is that everybody or just? Yeah, yeah because think of the lines of connection as pistons. Mm. So it's from the type out and back, out mm. and back, out and back. They're not going to each other. And they, one doesn't stop while the other's operating. They're, it's the dynamic part of the Enneagram. If you take that away, you've taken away. That's why it's Naranjo thought it was sad that 
it, he was misquoted because he felt a lot of people were mistyping themselves based wow. on identifying with how they might be at a lower functioning based on a line. Because you're, if you're functioning at a lower level, your wings are lower and your lines are lower and your type's lower. The whole thing's lower. And if you're coming from a more mature, integrated place, they're all up, both mm -hmm. lines. So always think of it as one and five. The one is really informing the seven about the way something could be mm -hmm. if you do right action mm -hmm. and right work. And the five is saying, well, this is the information mm -hmm. that will help you make this decision. Mm -hmm. And yet you have to look at your tri-type to really create change because if you don't introduce your heart type, you just have to get to it from one. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty distant. It is. To the four. Yeah. So if, if your tri-type heart type is at play, then you have a way back. So when we're in conflict with a partner or a spouse it's the heart's off. Now, it may have been due to an issue that felt fundamentally essential, our survival strategy, so therefore our instinctual types, but we heard emotionally that our partner is not making that okay for us, mm. and that's our heart. Oh, that makes so much sense, and I did not know that. Yeah, it really is. So the triggering factor is different but the way back to each other is the heart. Mm. And the way we move away from each other is the heart, feeling hurt. Oh, wow. Okay, no wonder I gravitated towards Sue Johnson's attachment work because as I studied from my seven position in grad school, I had to do my special study there. And I don't know why as a seven, I did that in addition to systems theories. But you're helping me to understand that, that she has such a great system and over 75% of her couples are successful because she exactly. knows that. Exactly. Wow. She really did bring attachment theory to a more modern uh, application because mm -hmm. if the emotional need is met, I mean, that's why I'm doing all these panels at no charge. I'm just doing them for free because I realize that very few people understand the emotional need of the type when they're in defense because we just know what bothers us mm -hmm. and what could be. But if we understand what's really going on and why the type is doing what they're doing in the way that they're doing it at the time they're doing it, mm -hmm. we can change our beliefs around it and our attitudes and our convictions around it almost instantaneously. It's hard to stay upset with someone if we truly can get mm -hmm. what it would the equivalent would be. So that's why I do teaching panels. I don't just go, okay, let's talk about your passion. Let's talk. I don't even mention yeah. uh, passion or fixation or even the holy ideas or virtues because I'm more interested in having the types understood mm -hmm. on an emotional level. Ooh, which is just where our audience wants to grow. So thank you because that is what every listener needs to remember is when you're feeling upset, go back to your spouse's main type. And if that doesn't make sense, you know, I, we're saying today, look for the tri-type. That's going to give you more information and more nuances. But that main type, try to show some compassion for their core issue because now it's much harder to be mad. And I say it out loud sometimes. And 
uh, even allow my kids to hear me processing. This is dad's core issue. Now you do have to differentiate that of, you know, um, a not overdoing with your kids and B not, uh, saying if somebody's abusive, oh, this is just their core type, but just regular upsets. You know, I think that's so helpful to be able to say, yeah, this is just a difference we have. And this is this person's, they want to make sure for dad that he's right and good. And uh, that's his heart's desire. And he goes to that four space and he really wants to show care and depth to people. And when you say that, it's hard for anyone in the whole family system to be mad. Now we're excited to help. We may need to take a rest first, but we're excited because we know that our spouse has good intentions. They're not just somebody exactly. who's our enemy, right? Exactly. We're they're not wow. demonized. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. So you have such a wealth of knowledge. I know we just scratched the surface today, but I know, and I hope our listeners will take some journals out and just process that or make some notes in your phone because this is gold. Thank you. And where can people find you in the future so that they can learn more about micro expressions and try type and to find their and their partner's uh, archetype? Yeah. Catherine Favre.com. Catherine with a K. E-R-I-N-E, but I have a lot actually on my other website, which hosts the test, which mm-hmm. is com. Okay. I'll link both of those in the show notes. And I'm glad you sent them to me as well, because everyone has heard a few times, at least from me about this, but you just took us all so much deeper and you gave us such history. So thank you so much for your incredible work. Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> pleasure and doing this with you, I should say. Yes. Yeah. You too. Wow. I hope you were just blown away with me at the way Catherine was able to help us to understand why tri-type is helpful, where it came from, how it was discovered. And of course, most of all, as it pertains to this podcast, how your relationships can be improved with it. I think you guys being so creative are going to take this and run with it. And I really want to know what happens with it. This was a requested topic for season three. We dug a lot deeper. So I hope that it was helpful to you and that you can take it and run. But like I said in the intro, make sure that you just try to take one thing or two things from the episode that you know could be life changers for you. Because I know if any of us are in our five zone, we could just get so lost in the names Catherine mentioned today and say, I'm going to explore the names. I'm going to explore the research and forget to do our personal growth. So make sure you're taking what she said for personal growth and leaning into your life and into your marriage and saying, where is this tripping me up? Where is it to my advantage? And then even career-wise, as you heard us mention, this is a fantastic tool. Knowing I'm the gentle spirit and that I'm in the field that loves to bring the healing arts to the world, I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful to read because that's the field I chose. And I'm happy to know that I get along with others in the 749 tri-type or 497, any variation and variety. It's fun to get to know your tri-type archetype a little bit more. And so I do want you to get to know that and to find out what are the ways it's slowing you down? What are the ways it's accenting and highlighting and bringing beauty? and lighten your marriage and relationships. 
And then I also hope that you will continue to grow on your main type either way. If you say, okay, this is great. I want to keep growing in my main type too. That's the goal. We want you to keep doing that work. But as Catherine said, it all works together and it helps you to stop leaning so hard on the passion and the fixation of your main type. So now you have some layers to work with. I am so thankful for that. And I hope that you will check out Catherine's website, which I'm leaving in the show notes and feel free to take her tri-type test. Understand that you know best what your tri-type is when you take some time to really sort it out better than a test. But I will tell you, her test gets it right. And I'm shocked by how many people have taken her test and have seen that not only are the types really spot on, but that the actual instinctual sequence that she includes is often on or very close as well. Because sometimes we take the test when we're in a mood and that of course changes things, but her test is so nuanced and she's put so much work even into the six so that type sixes can find themselves since sixes often go by behaviors and not by the deep core motivations, which you need to. But as promised, I wanted to share a little bit about some of the questions really quickly with a couple of people who asked about tri-type. So I had somebody say, I'm a seven and I don't have a connection. What does that mean for my tri-type of seven? And as Catherine said earlier, it doesn't mean that you don't have any heart access, even though you are a seven like me and you typically have that five arrow and the one arrow. When you're in your five space, you can take time and process your heart work or you can take Catherine's tri-type test or really think hard about your two, three, and four and sense which one are you most relating to. And you can try to do your heart work from that angle like I explained earlier that I do with my four space. So try to learn from the heart types and incorporate. And that's one of the beautiful things about tri-type. Another person asked, how do I connect more with others or push out of my comfort zone? Because I internalize a lot as a one, four, five. So that one, four, five, you have the head, heart, and body uh, in, in the order of body, heart, and head with the one being first and then the four and the five. So for this person, I really want to remind you that what you have to do is you have to really spend time in motion because your one is great for getting organized, but sometimes you get so busy that you're forgetting to get moving and your five is afraid to move and your four is withdrawing. So just saying to yourself every single day, I'm going to do one thing that's going to push me out of my comfort zone and labeling what it is will help you to do it. So you don't just get stuck and say, yeah, that's a nice theory, but what does it really look like? And what it looks like is I can't give you the exact formula. I've actually done this with a type one and we've been working together for years. And she told me when you first told me to be more social, it was the worst. You can't just tell me that. I had to decide that for myself. So I've learned over the years, don't just tell people, yeah, just be more social. Your assignment is you have to talk to one stranger this week. You're going to have to decide for yourself what you do, but I do want you to challenge yourself. Baby steps. Okay. Another person asked as an 864 or an 862, they're not sure if they have that four or the two in their tri-type, but they know that those have arrows to each other. They said, how do I self-regulate and communicate better? I'm very reactive. So if we were to say 864, we know this person has so much reactivity 
And that is really cool in a conflict when we can say, yeah, you certainly do have the whole harmonic group there with your conflict style. But what I want to say is as a reactive type and triply reactive, we know that breathing is going to be a very big thing for you because it may sound simple, but when we talk to Andy Kolber from Try Softer, her book, in a few weeks, you're going to be hearing us enunciate this even more. But the breath work of just taking pauses, I really do enjoy learning about how the pausing can help you to really remind your system that you're not in a crisis. And it's very ancient work. It's very deeply embedded instinctual work but it's going to be very life-giving to you and to everybody listening because obviously we know that we all struggle sometimes with our breathing and with panic and with, uh, if not panic, overreaction or anger. So please work on that and really try to take those breaths and pauses when you're finding yourself rise up because your body's going into that fight mode. Okay, and then lastly, somebody said, I have a 358 or a 359 tri-type, and I'm looking for suggestions for expressing more and connecting to emotions because I'm a hidden rational tri-type. And so I understand what they're saying is I can be quite practical. There's a bit of me that might be a bit reactive, but my three and my five are in the lead. Those are both very logical types. So I wanna help you to understand that how you can express more is just as I said to the person, who needed to be very intentional and to baby step their way out of their comfort zone is you're going to have to try to use very small emotional words to start. So you don't have to say, I'm feeling vulnerable and I'm feeling sad. You might say, I'm uncomfortable. I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. And you'll notice how I'm downplaying it a little bit, but I'm also revealing a little. So test the waters and your partner might not be used to this new step either. So they might not even hear you, especially since you might have a nine. So and with a three in the lead, you do have some nine in you and you are very sensitive. So you need to make sure that you really take some time to be loud with this, even if it's just a minimally invasive word, even if it's just a little bit reactive emotionally, it's a great step for you to say, you know, this is making me uncomfortable and I'm feeling something. I'm just feeling something. And see how your partner does with that and try it out a few times, be nice and loud. And when you start to see them leaning in and getting soft with you, and you might even say something like, you know, I want to be a little more vulnerable with my emotions, but so if you hear me trying to lean in a bit, can you meet me there? And that will help them to know, okay, my partner's trying on something new. And try to find the right time for that. I try to find the right time for Wes because I don't let him into my life in certain areas as an aggressive assertive type. But even just today, I said to him, and it was like, you're not used to this. Neither am I. We both know I'm not going to do super well if you just tell me what to do. But can I lean in a little bit because I really need you? And then I also flattered him, which I meant well. I said, you know you do have a lot of good things to say. I don't want you to boss me around or take over, which sometimes we feel with our partners. 
but I, I really appreciate and love your advice and I could really use it right now. So if you said, I really could appreciate that listening ear right now and I could just appreciate you trying to lean in and not try to fix right now, but just to just listen maybe or maybe even scratch my back or that might be a little too vulnerable, but I'm just giving you some ideas for how to approach it. And sometimes like me, it might need to be stated hey, this is unusual. And I was patient also. I wanted to wait for a good time. But for you, it might need to be that you use those mildly emotional words. So anyway, I hope that's helpful. And I hope that you guys have a fantastic week. Don't forget to check out the show notes for Catherine's information. She's got so much there. There are details, even in the podcast, she seems to have even added since then. So I want to make sure that you guys grab all of her information. You can find your tri-type archetype there. You can look and see what career do I fit when I really take a good look at my tri-type archetype. And so your spouse is probably not the same tri-type because you're trying to balance and trying to learn and deeply trying to get to uh, offer different movements in your life. So appreciate their differences, work with them, try to love each other. And you know, we'll be back talking about all this again very soon. We've got lots of great glow pairings and more of your questions coming up. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.